what a night we're going to have, and I pray that we're all safe after we leave here, because it is New Year's, and uh, it can get pretty crazy. But uh, how, how grateful can we be because of God's presence and His glory? Uh, this might be your first time to our candlelight service, so we welcome you. This might be your first time to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii, so thank you for being here. Uh, I know that God is going to do even more uh, because he is the one that is in control, not us. We let him do what he wants to do in our hearts so that we can become everything that he made us to be. Well, tonight you can take out your notes and uh, we're, we're going to be talking about shining lights because tonight you're going to see many uh, legal and illegal kind. So you're going to see lights all over the place. And so be safe tonight. You know, as we peer into the window of, of 2014, no matter what 2013 looked like, God has called us to glorify Him by our lifestyle. That's what He's called us to do. When we said yes to Him, and how Pastor Pauline was saying, over 1,400 people said yes to Him, part of that is saying, Lord, I, I'm going to live for You, and I'm going to do my very best to shine for You, to be an example for You, so that when people see my life, that they're going to turn to You not turn away from you. And so we are a city that is set on a hill for all to see. That's what the church is. It's so that people can see his good works through us. And so we're called to be a beacon of hope. So let's be the church that shines. And it's not about New Hope Hilo Hawaii. It's about us as individuals being the church because we know that the church is not a building, that it is people, you and I included, and so we may feel that, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not that great at doing this. I, I'm not the person to do that. But you have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, that's all that matters. You don't need eloquence. You don't need good looks. You don't need bad looks. You don't need anything. All you need is Jesus. Once you have Jesus, you have the light that shines in the most darkest places. And once you have Jesus, then you're set to shine as a bright light into this world. And tonight, wherever you're going to be, even though you might be at someone's house or maybe you're invited to a party, maybe you might be at home, then shine wherever you are. Be that light to everyone that's around you. Let's extract the precious from that which is worthless in 2013 so that we can catapult into 2014 and look forward to the brighter things that God has for us. Because he said, I have a hope and a future for you. Let's take out the good things out of 2013. Let's not drag the junk I don't know about you, but I, I, I watch these, um, these shows. Uh, one is called Storage Wars, and they auction off all this junk that people forgot about, or, or maybe they uh, couldn't pay the storage payments. And they also have this, another one, uh, this other show called American Pickers. And these guys go all around America, and they just go to like, like broken-down barns, junkyards, people's yards, and they just pick junk out but they restore it and they make it valuable once again. Storage wars, they bid on these different storage rooms or these storage bins, and then they hopefully find something that's of value. Now sometimes they'll bid up to $1,500 and, and then they'll find nothing in there. But sometimes they'll bid maybe $100, $150, and then they'll find things in there that are worth $15,000. And when they find those ones, they're excited because they make a profit. Just like the American pickers, they know what's valuable. So when they go into a person's home, they're not, they're not trying to, you know, sneak one up on them or try to rip them off. They're trying their very best to give a good equal value of 
finances to say, uh, that's worth a pretty good amount of money, but in your hands, it's not going to do well. If it just sits here in your barn, that Harley Davidson is not going to do well. But you give it to us, and we give you some money for it, then we can restore it, and then we can add value, even more value to it, and then we can auction it off, and then it will be priceless to some people. And they'll pay big bucks for it. When I thought about that, that, that we're, we live in a world that the Bible says is, is full of darkness. We live in a crooked and perverse generation, so we are to shine as bright lights. And I thought, well, God, that's what you did with us, that in this darkened world, you looked throughout the entire earth, and you, you, shown, you showed us your light through Christ and gave us value once again that we may have been under a lot of junk and we may have had a lot of things in our lives that we felt worthless because of. Because of all these things that were piled on us, we felt worthless and, and maybe we didn't feel like we were valuable. And then you came in and you pulled us out of the junk, you rescued us, and then you restored us. But you didn't restore us just so that we could exist on this earth. You restored us for a purpose. There's a reason that we're alive. There's a reason why you and I are here. There's a purpose for every single person here tonight. Can you just look at the person next to you and say, you have a purpose? Just tell them, because they may not know. And if no one's next to you, just say, I have a purpose. Do a little selfie. I have a purpose. Many of you are good at selfies. I have a purpose. Just tell yourself, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I got a purpose. I got a purpose. Just tell yourself that. Because every single one of us has a purpose. We got to extract what is valuable from that which is worthless in our lives and let God do something great. God sees great value in us and he wants to restore us. He wants to extract that which is precious from what we may see as worthless and then shine for him. Look at what Jeremiah 15, 19 tells us. It's in your notes. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you before me. You will stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. That's if you extract the precious from the worthless. Otherwise, if we don't extract the precious from the worthless, then we're not going to be his spokesperson. We're not going to be able to speak for him. Why? Because we're still in the worthless. We're still under the junk. And he says, why are you doing that? You've, you're valuable to me. Even though people may not see value, you're valuable to me. Yeah, but so-and-so said this. I've been through this. This is my past. He said, no, no, no. That's not what matters. What matters is I'm pulling you out of that junk and I'm going to restore you to even better shape than what you were in the beginning. And only God can do that. See, we can be people who shine for the Lord by extracting the precious from the worthless by remembering these three key things. And the first one is this, that I am valuable to God. You cannot forget that, that we are valuable to God. You were paid with a high price. See, you can't add value to others unless you know you're valuable. You, you just can't. You can't add value to others if you don't value yourself. You've got to know that you're valuable. Now, you can go on the extreme and be overly valuable, and then you take God out of the equation, and you just are in pride, and you say, I don't need God because I can do this myself. Well, now you're going you're gonna to value yourself by yourself. Therefore, there's no price there. You're making your own price where God says, no, I have the highest value paid for you. I paid for your life with my son's life. 
That is the most valuable we can get. It's not apart from Christ. It's being a part of Christ. That's where we find our value. Matthew 6, 26, it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? And we are. We're more valuable than what God has created that we see. We have much more value. And God says, I'm going to take good care of you. You know, in a pile of junk that may have occurred in 2013 or even beyond that in our past, it doesn't make you any less valuable to God. Whatever junk has been piled on, it doesn't make you any less valuable. You put $100 under a pile of junk, it's still worth $100. It doesn't matter. God sees your value through the junk. You should too. You got to see your value. Value is not found in what you do. It's, it's who you are in Christ. That's where our, our value is. He pulled us out of the junk and ransomed his life for yours. You were valued at the highest price at the auction of eternity. I love this poem that I want to read to you. It's called The Master's Hand, and there's a song that, that uh, uh, has been made after it. But it goes like this. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to spend much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding for this?' he cried. "'Who start the bidding for me? One dollar? One dollar?' Then two, only two? Two dollars are bidden, say three. Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But lo, from the back of the crowd, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bowl. Then, wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody passing sweet, the kind that haunts and clings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was soft and low, said, Now what is the bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars? Who make it two? Two? Two thousand? Say three. Three thousand once, three thousand twice, three thousand gone, said he. Well, the people cheered, but some exclaimed, we do not quite understand what changed its worth. And then the answer came. It was a touch of the master's hand. And many a man with soul out of tune and battered and scarred by sin is auctioned cheap by the thoughtless crowd just like the old violin. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. You are valued at the highest price, at the auction of eternity. And God came in and he said, I, I, I'm looking throughout the entire earth for hearts that are set on me. And he said, I'm going to pay the highest price. And he sent his one and only son. You cannot tell me that you're not valuable. 
You cannot tell me that because of what you have done that God doesn't see your potential and your future, that there's a hope for you and your family, that God sees great things for you. But you gotta see that for yourself. You're that valuable to God. Matthew 6, 31 and 32, it says, don't worry then, saying, well, what will we eat? Well, what will we drink? Or, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Well, so if God knows what we need, what do we do? Well, it continues in Matthew 6, 33, and many of us know this scripture. Let's say it together. Let's read it. Ready? Go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, God says you're already valuable, so you don't need anything for you to be valuable. But when you seek first my kingdom, then anything that is added to you is not going to add or devalue you. You're already valuable. So he's saying instead of seeking things to make you feel more valuable, seek me first. That's where your value is. Then when I add these things in and if they come and go in your life or, or something gets missing or something stolen or someone breaks something or, or something breaks down, you don't feel devalued because your value is not in things. It's in the Lord. See, he gives us this kind of value so that we can add value to others, which is the second thing we got to remember, is to influence others for good. Can you write that in number two? Influence others for good. Now, tonight is going to be the test. Tonight is going to be the big test if you're going to influence people for good or for evil. The test, in fact, the test will be right after you leave these doors or right when we're finished in the car or when you have to grab your children. It, the tests come up quickly. We all see that. But we're going to influence people for good. And you will either influence for good or for evil dependent on who influences you. If you let other people influence you, then you may not influence for good unless they're influencing you for good. However, if you allow people that are influencing you for evil, then you're going to go the other way if you respond in an evil way. So you've got to determine who's going to influence you. Jeremiah 15, 19, I, I like how the New Living uh, Translation says it. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. He's saying the words that we speak makes a big difference. That's the light that he's talking about for us to shine, that you must influence them. Don't let them influence you. If the world and others influence you more than God, then evil will be the mark of your influence. Don't let them influence you. You, you influence them. And whatever, whatever they live by is going to be what they live by. In other words, you're, you're, you're talking what God is teaching. That we're not... We're not uh, opposite of what God is doing. We're, we're doing exactly what he's asking us to do. That we don't just talk spiritual, we live it. I remember this new student came to our school. I was in the fifth grade. And because he was new, you know, we were all acting up to him. We were making trouble to him. Uh, then we uh, Smurfs, you know, that cartoon was like the big thing back then. And, and so we were teasing him Smurfette. You know that movie that came out? There's that, the, the one female Smurfette. So we're calling him that name. He didn't say anything. He just kind of took it. And so we felt like, ah, this guy's a wimp. He's not fighting back. He's not doing anything. So we just kept teasing him. Well, after school, he gave us lickings. 
He waited. He waited. And, and after that day, I was like, okay, I'm not teasing this guy anymore. I'm going to be his friend. And we became good friends, thank God. He didn't have to talk. He really didn't. But he sure did show how tough he was. He didn't have to talk one word. We were, we were talking the talk. And I thought, Lord, you know, sometimes spiritually, we talk spiritually, but we don't walk spiritually. We say the right things, but we don't do the right things. We, we say what we know, but we, we really don't know what we're saying. And then when the test comes up, we're more influenced by other people rather than us be the influencers and shine our lights. Here's how Matthew 5.14 tells us. It says, you are the light of the world. Speaking to you, us, the church, that's what Christ is saying. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know what the Bible is saying? You have no choice when you receive Christ to shine. You don't have a choice. Because you can say, no, I, no, I don't want to because I'm going to be a hypocrite. If I go to church and then I do this, and I, no, I don't want to because it's going to be hypocritical. That is a hypocrite. You're exactly displaying hypocrisy. Saying yes to Jesus and then no to Jesus. That's exactly the definition of a hypocrite. It's not someone who comes to church and lives opposite. It's not someone who knows the Bible and lives opposite. It's someone who says yes to Jesus and then no to Jesus. When Jesus says, wait a minute, when you said yes to me, you are a city on a hill. You can't be hidden. So why are you trying? You can't hide from it. So instead of trying to hide, shine. Just shine. Because when you stand before me and you see how powerful my light is, you're going to hope you know a little light that you've shown on this earth. Why not just accept the fact that you're a city set on a hill? You know what a privilege that is? That's a privilege. It's not some burden. God is saying, you know how valuable you are? You are so valuable, I'm putting you at the top for everyone to see so that when you shine, they can find their way home back to me. That's what I'm going to do in your life. Don't hide your light for Jesus. He gave it to you so that you shine. The light he's talking about is your influence for the kingdom of God. He's looking for those kinds of people who will shine and the last thing to remember is to shine brightly for the Lord. Shine brightly for Him. Shine brightly. Whatever that means to you, you may have known the Lord for a day or a decade. You shine as bright as you can with what you know. Yeah, but I don't know too much of the Bible. Do you know Jesus? Yep, then just do that. Just shine knowing Jesus. Yeah, but I, I can't preach to anyone. You don't have to. Tonight, when we light our candles, we're going to head outside into our covered courtyard and uh, we're going to light some candles. And it's just a, an illustration on what light can do without speaking one word. And how powerful a light can be without even saying one word. All it does is shine and do what it was created to do. That's how powerful light is. And God says, that's how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be that light. And then all together, as the church, that we shine together and we light up the city. That, yeah, we know people that, that are still in darkness, but we're the ones with the light. So if we're around people who are living in darkness, they should already gravitate towards God, just being around your very presence because they know that you know God. Why? Because you're shining brightly for the Lord. Sometimes I shine more for me than I do for the Lord. Sometimes we shine for ourselves than we do for God. God is saying, 
I want to do something great in your life. Let's flip that around. Shine for me more than you shine for yourself. You know, recently, this is what God taught me, and I wanted to write this down because I wanted to pass this on to you. And this is what the Lord taught me, and as I was praying and, 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 and thinking of, Lord, I, I, I just want to do better for you. He said this, my glory through you begins when you end yours before men. My glory through you begins when you end yours before men. And I had to write that down because I had to ponder on that. And, and what the Lord was saying is, when you die to yourself, then I can live through you. But if it's you who are trying and you who are doing it your way and it's your pride, there's nothing I can do. You're still going to be a city, uh, a city that's set on a hill. But if you want to be someone who shines brightly for me, then my glory will begin when yours ends. Therefore, I don't, I don't want to seek glory. We don't need that. What, what good will that do? I'd rather God's glory be shown through me and through us so that he's glorified. And when he's glorified, then all people turn to him, not to us. Some seek the glory for themselves more than the Lord. Now you might be thinking, well, I, I don't know if I seek God's glory more than myself. How do I know? Well, I just, now this is just for me. This is what I've learned. And I put down, what is this, one, two, three, four, five, six things that I felt this is what does not glorify God. This is me glorifying myself. And the first one is when I'm never satisfied. You know, I'm just never satisfied. That I, I gotta have things like this. I'm just never satisfied. That's giving glory to myself because I want it like this. The second one is I'm a complainer. When I complain and I complain and complain and complain, and I can always find fault and how come this, how come that, but I don't do anything to help, that's telling me I'm, I'm trying to glorify myself rather than God. The third one is gossiping. If I'm gossiping and I'm talking about other people and I'm saying things about other people, not trying to, um, or I'm trying to, you know, uh, camouflage it with prayer. You know, oh, we need to pray for the kind, you know, because let me tell you the story. And then you give them 20 minutes of gossip, but we got to pray for them. We just, we just got to pray for them. Lift them up in prayer. Lift them up in prayer. We don't even know what that means. Hey, lift them up in prayer. What do you mean when you say lift them up in prayer? But then we're gossiping about them. You know when we say we're lifting someone up in prayer, what we're saying is we're carrying their burden, not spreading it. There's a difference. Oh boy, that hit me. And so the fourth one that God showed me was when I put others down. If I put others down to make me look good, then I'm trying to glorify myself. Number five, that when I think that no one can do it better than me, then I'm trying to glorify myself. Now, this is my list. You make up your own, okay? And don't pick on me and use my list against me. I'm, I'm struggling with this with God, so, but I'm just being transparent with you so that you can find your own list. But if you want to take some from mine, you can and add on your own. The last one is that when I take credit for things that are done well rather than giving it to God. Like when someone says something good, I'll say, oh, yeah, 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 I was thinking of doing that and, and you know, it was my idea. It's like, why do I have to do that? That's me trying to get God's glory, and I don't want to do that. I'm saying, God, I want to give you glory. So 
You find your own. Lord, what, what can I do to give you glory so that I can shine brightly for you? So let's be a people who shine for Jesus, even though or even when things don't go our way to glorify us. Even though we're not glorified, even though we may look like fools, even though it doesn't go our way, if it glorifies God, that's all that matters. If it glorifies Him. Let's glorify God in all we do, and let's shine brightly for the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We're going to head outside in just a moment. Uh, and I don't know if everyone got their candles, but if you didn't, on the way out, once we get out there, then you can grab your candles. just want to conclude with this story, uh, just so that it, it, we understand why we shine brightly. And that last point was kind of, straight to the heart, rip them up, ah, take them, throw them on the ground. But God can restore it, and he'll do something great with it. I went night diving uh, this one time, and while we were out on the coast, you know, you're just focused on what you're trying to capture or uh, spear. And as we're diving, we're there, I don't know how long, maybe an hour, hour and a half, and we're just diving, 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 and, and getting whatever we need to get. Well, I pop my head out, and we're still along the coast, but we don't know where we are because it's pitch black. And you know how the waves are moving and, and you can't really see land. And so we're trying to look for where the land is. We know what direction, but we just don't know where to go back to. And so we're looking, we're looking. Finally, we see this faint light. We're like, oh, there it is. Let's head back that way. And so we follow that light. And, and as we're coming back in, you know, you're diving and then you look up, you check, where's the light? Okay, there it is. And you make sure you find your way back. If not for that light... I don't know what would have happened. And I thought, Lord, you call us to shine as lights, not for us. It's not for us. It's not for believers. We don't shine our lights for us. We shine our lights for people who are lost in complete darkness. That's why we shine. That's why when you're out tonight, that's why everybody is, is everybody's going to party. Everybody's going to have a great time. Very few will shine lights for those who are living in darkness to find their way home. Whatever the Lord's going to do tonight and in 2014, just be the church that shines for all to see that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. And when we do that, it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. He's glorified. And when he's glorified, then all things work together for good. We let him do what he's going to do. Amen. We're going to pray and then we're gonna, I'm going to dismiss the parents first so that they can pick up their children. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the time we get to spend together. Lord, as we, as we head out into the courtyard and, and we, we light our candles it's an illustration of what you have said for us to do, that we are to shine as bright lights in this darkened world so that people can find their way home, that we would let our lights so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven. I pray for each person, their family members, their children, their extended family, the people they work with, that as we shine brightly for you, that people will find their way home, their way home to you. People are looking and searching for you, but we're the ones that should be showing them the way home. 
Thank you for encouraging us and showing us how much value we have in you, that we are to shine as bright lights. Help us to be an influencer for you, that we'd influence people not to manipulate, but to influence them in a good way so that they draw close to you. We thank you that you allow us the privilege of holding the light of the world, your spirit, in our lives so that we can shine brightly for you. So that as we are on this hill, we shine brightly for all to see. We thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen, amen.